Amen. So Genesis 22, uh, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said to him, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his, uh, lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, and the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It's quite, a, uh, quite an account. Probably familiar with it. But uh, every time we read this, it's never easy to read. There's a, there's a lot of emotion when you read this of, wow, what went through his mind? What went through Isaac's mind? What, there's a lot here. And uh, so as we back up, I like to read this and then back up and, and, and cover uh, each group of verses as they um, as they kind of come together. And but as we go through this, we are going to see the provision and love of God all through this and uh, have a greater uh, hopefully come out of this with a greater understanding of uh, his great love for us. Now, uh, in verse 1, when it says, after these things, it's those things that we had just talked about. Um, Isaac was born, Ishmael uh, and Hagar are sent away, and uh, he makes the covenant with Abimelech. And uh, so when it says that, after these things, uh, or if we look in the scripture, as Will has showed us, that, you know, there's therefore, if we start a chapter or whatever, what's the therefore, therefore? 
So we got to go back and look, or uh, any of those those uh, phrases or uh, or words that that are going to uh, reflect on something. Uh, if you're reading in your script in, in your Bible, you're like, oh, what was that? Just just turn the page and look at it. You know, go back and, and skim it over again if you need to, uh, so that you can get the proper uh, context of, of what's uh, before us. Now, verse 1, it says, God, uh, and after these things, God tested Abraham. So this is a test of his faith. We've read through uh, what is being discussed here, and test comes from the Lord. So tests come from the Lord temptation comes from our enemy. The Lord does not tempt us. That's what uh, James says. God does not tempt us. Uh, he will test us, but uh, God does not tempt, nor is he tempted, James 1.13 says. Uh, so understand when God is testing us, uh, that it's going to be different than a temptation. So his, his tests in our lives, they uh, prove and purify our faith. They cause us to seek him and trust him more. That's uh, uh, when when our, our faith is being tested, we are being sharpened, we're being strengthened. And when we come on the other side of that test, uh, we'll find that as we've sought him and followed him, uh, that we are uh, being built up in our faith. He's edifying us. That edification is being built up uh, by the end of it. There are times where we're going to horribly fail a test. The Lord's still working in our lives. You know, come to him and say, Lord, I still feared. I still, whatever it was, there was the, uh, you know, you, you called me to trust in you. You called me to obey you, and I didn't, and I got scared of this or that. And that that's when we have to get real with ourselves and and uh, and go before the Lord and confess that sin of, of disobedience to him, or, uh, not trusting him and entrusting in our fear, trusting in our own abilities or uh, or letting our what our perceived lack of ability uh, to do something uh, saying oh well, I don't know how to do that look at Moses Moses I'm not a good speaker and he went back and forth with the Lord finally the Lord's like all right Aaron can talk for you uh, but uh, the Lord was calling Moses to be the one that was speaking uh, we we need not do that in our lives just to go back and forth with the Lord when he's calling us to do something listen to his voice and be obedient to him and follow him. So uh, God, when God is testing us, it's always for our good. Uh, the temptation, when we see a temptation to sin, uh, that is from the wicked one. And uh, so just understand the two differences uh, there. So uh, this is a test that we just read that nobody could see coming. Nobody would think, okay, uh, this, is, this is what we're going to do. You know, after all, uh, Abraham and Sarah had been waiting uh, for so long. God had promised a son through Sarah to them, and uh, you know God had told them through Abraham's seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, and he had already uh, sent one son away. Ishmael was already gone, and now the one that he has left, uh, he is uh, he is told to go uh, sacrifice him. And uh, so when it says that, that God tested him, uh, as we see there, uh, just make a note. God is the one that tests us. He will test our faith. The tests are not fun. Um, uh, trials, uh, you know, look what James says about trials. You know, that, that as, we, as we just continue, as we continue through the trial, we understand that God is purifying us, and that when the in the in the end result of that test, uh, we'll see uh, James one verses two through four. It says, "My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into various trials. We have to count it all joy because it's not joy. It's not something that, oh, yes, I was hoping for this suffering, and I was, pay I was hoping for this, uh, this uh, inconvenience in my life. You know, that, that whatever I'm going through, uh, I was really hoping that that would come. And, and that's uh, we are called to uh, consider it pure joy when we fall into those various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may per be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. First Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So those blessings come. So after that suffering, after the, the time of trial uh, happens in our life, uh, we can uh, look back and as we've sought the Lord and followed him and understand, oh, he was perfecting me in that way. He was establishing my faith here. He was strengthening my faith here. He was settling me here. And we could get to those things and, and really uh, look at the scripture and see how the Lord prepared us uh, through the scripture for what we go through. There, uh, trials, uh, trials are just that. Uh, it's a trial. We're being tried. Um, you've heard of trial by fire, right? Uh, you know, you go to uh, maybe a new job and the first day, boom, you're, you're, you're right in. Um, I remember uh, my, uh, let's see, it was probably my 10th day on the job. Uh, and I had to face a situation uh, where I had no means of communication, but I had to get emergency um emergency responders to me, uh, no, no means I was in a spot where there's absolutely there, there's, there's no electronic signal. So I had to, I had to go through those things and uh, kind of run through my mind. Oh, Hey, I can grab this person, send them up, take this message, take my phone, take this. And if you get this call, come down. So I had to go through this situation and, uh, and, and thankfully I had, uh, people there that were ready and willing, uh, to help, uh, that, uh, at, at the end of that, when I came to the end of it, I, I could reflect on it and go, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. But in the end, I'm more prepared for a situation like that. Uh, that was a trial that I faced uh, when normally you're not alone uh, on the job that early. <laughs> I happened to be the first night that I was all alone and bam, you know, catastrophic. And uh, the Lord carried me through it. You know, and it, it, it wasn't fun or anything, but I can look back on it and understand that I'm, I was I was strengthened and that I know now that I can settle a little bit in that. And because and, if even even then I didn't show uh, panic to anybody, but in the in back of my mind, I'm going, how are we going to get through this situation and and how am I going to get the responders here that I need? And um, the Lord carried me through. And I know now that if I go into that situation, I can look back and go, well, how did this happen? Uh, that was just that was just one thing that and I, I think that all of us can look at at a time where you're going, well, this was not ideal uh, in my life. I wasn't all excited about this trial in my life. But as we trust the Lord and walk through it, uh, we see at the end of it that that he's been working for our good. You know, you can look at Romans eight. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and see that all things work for good for those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. You know, all things as we're as we're seeking the Lord and following Him, it may not be great 
it may not be, uh, you know, where we're, we were talking about uh, sometimes on Christian radio, it's way overly bubbly. And you're like, we were, we were joking, saying, hey, my house is burning down. You know, it's just, okay, you know. But we, we may not be in a joyous state, but uh, we can understand that through the trial, the Lord is with us. You know, when you, when you look at what uh, Israel went through, wandering, you know, they had the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire leading them and understand that although things weren't ideal, they're dying as they're walking around and, and they're, they're being uh, punished for their, their sin and everything. But the Lord is, 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 uh, carrying them through and he's, he's, he's there with them. And, and, and we can look at all kinds of illustrations, uh, through the scripture. Look at Jeremiah, the trials that man faced. The rejection he faced, uh, you know, just uh, being put in stocks and uh, being thrown away into a mud pit, you know, all, all these things that that Jeremiah uh, and he would preach and his and his faithfulness, and he got to the point where I'm not even going to talk anymore. And the Lord's like, "Yes, you are. I'm not done with you." And uh, it, and to look at Jeremiah's life and know that there wasn't one documented uh, person that that repented at his word. It, it, but we look at how powerfully God used him, uh, and uh, it, just to know God ministered to him all through that trial, and God used Jeremiah to sharpen believers for uh, thousands of years now through what he went through. Jeremiah's not in heaven going, I got ripped off. You know, <laughs> you know just, just think of what he went through and, uh, and know that the Lord, uh, as he's testing us, he's building us, he's strengthening us. And I've, I've said it before that, that whenever somebody says you, God won't give you any more than you can handle. He loves to, and that's God loves to present to us something that's impossible so that we have to rely upon him because in our strengthness, he is, he is strong. Uh, sorry. In our weakness, he is strong in our strengthness In our weakness. He is strong. Verse two. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Now Ishmael had already been sent away. And the Lord says, your only son whom you love. The thing that was most precious to Abraham, the Lord is approaching him and telling him, take now this, this young, uh, young man that you love so much. And I want you to offer him as a burnt offering where I tell you to go. And, uh, you know, he had, he had already sent one son away. And, you know, uh, that son was a result of him trying to fulfill God's will on his own. That, hey, the, you know, this, this must be the way we're supposed to do it. Uh, we must be mistaking, uh, you know, what we heard or, or whatever, and uh, we're going to go about it on our own strength. I'm going to listen to my wife, not the Lord. And we're in, uh, God definitely blessed Ishmael and he promised that he would because he was a seed of, of Abraham, but the son of promise, uh, was Isaac. And now the son of promise that they waited 25 years from when they first heard that he was coming till when he was born. That's a long time to wait especially when you're 75 and then 100 when he's born. <laughs> so uh, th this is, uh, you know, he, uh, this, this son of promise was uh, of great love, uh, you know, and he 
he's got him. It's the only one that God had promised. And he's told to go to the land of Moriah and and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, it's believed that Jerusalem was founded in the same area uh, many years later. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting thing to, to weave into uh, this situation as we look at it. He's told to offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that he should tell him. So God is testing Abraham in that he asked Abraham to sacrifice that one thing that he desired most in his life. He wanted an heir. Remember, he went to the Lord and he, he said, uh, um, you know, I have, I have a servant that was born in my house. Uh, you know, is that who you're talking about? The Lord's like, no, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And uh, the Lord just continued to encourage him over the years. You're still going to have your son through Sarah. And now he's finally got him. Uh, he'd waited till he was 100 years old, uh, th that 25 years from when uh, it was first said. And now that he has him, he finally has him, uh, the one he prayed for, and he's being told to offer him as a burnt, uh, as a burnt offering. So verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. That that right there, he rose early in the morning. I think that was probably a sleepless night. <laughs> I, if there's ever a sleepless night, that's one of them. Rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he's up early in the morning and, uh, you know, like we said, a long night. And uh, there's no documentation of him arguing, questioning, or delaying. He's told to do it. The next morning he's up early and uh, he's getting ready. And he gets the donkey and the two servants ready. Gets Isaac ready. And an interesting thing, Abraham, a very rich man, uh, he has a bunch of servants and everything. He splits his own wood, not the servants. I'm sure over the night he's saying, I'm splitting my own wood. That, that wood that I'm taking with me, that, that I, I'm taking that. He splits it. He started on the journey to Moriah, and I, these are all acts of faith and obedience. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. Now, verse four. Just if you if you look at that, usually on a long trip, we're looking forward to seeing our destination. Three days, you're looking forward to seeing your destination. I don't know that that was the case for Abraham. <laughs> oh, we're there already. Have you ever noticed that? that like when when something's coming up that that we might not be looking forward to. Uh, how fast the time goes and you know it, I just just think of it when you're a kid you're waiting for Christmas you're waiting for Christmas it feels like 10 years in between you know Christmases right as the parent you're looking at it like wasn't Christmas like three weeks ago or you know whatever it was you know 
and uh, there, there's I, that's just something I'm thinking of anticipation. Uh, and uh, he is uh, on this three day journey. He's got his two servants. He's got his son. And uh, the, they finally get to this point, and uh, they, um, it's it's uh, you know it. He gets to the point where he has to tell the servants that uh, I, you guys stay here. We're going to move forward. And uh, so it's it's taken another real step in that in that step of, in the direction that that they're going. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever been in an airport where you have to say goodbye to somebody and you don't know if and when you're going to see them again. Or uh, you just those things where you wish the time could just extend out a little bit more. This is where the, he's like, oh, now I got to tell you guys to stay and we've got to move forward. Uh, I am so blessed by what we read here in just a moment. But as, as he tells the servants to stay here, uh, he says, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. And we will come back to you. It's prophetic that we will come back to you. Because the Lord had already told him that he, he said, go and offer him as a burnt offering. And uh, he knows that the Lord is going to do something miraculous here. Hebrews 11 verses 17 through 19 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he had he also received in him a figurative sense. So Abraham moved forward with this, knowing that God had already promised that in Isaac your seed shall be called. So when he laid down his head at night, when he's preparing the wood, when he's getting everybody prepared, and they're walking those, those three long days of walking, he doesn't know exactly how it's going to work, but he knows the Lord's going to bring them through because we will return to you, is what he said. And then that's confirmed as we read later in Hebrews. Because we can read the scripture and come to our own conclusions, but when we look at the scripture and let the scripture be the commentary on the scripture, that's where we're going to find. Because a, a man's commentary uh, can, can be just a, an opinion at times. It can get to a point where this, this person's opinion, and then, oh, hey, I'm going to open up the commentary, and I see this person's opinion differs from this person's opinion. So where do I, like, what do I do? When the Lord spells it out in his word, there's no question. It's spelled out right here that the writer of Hebrews wrote that Abraham knew that it was said that in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's why he proceeded with it, because he trusted in God's promise, and he knew that if God said that this was going to happen, if God said this, then it must be that if I do this, he's either going to raise him from the dead or he's going to provide some other way. And uh, so uh, they get to the point where he has to uh, tell the servants uh, to stay there with the donkey and they're going to move forward. Now, verse six, it's uh, it's telling us that Abraham uh, took the wood and he laid it on Isaac, his son, the wood that he had prepared himself. 
And he laid it on his son's back and said, you're going to carry this. He laid it on his son, even if his son carried it in front. It just says he laid it on his son, Isaac. So that would, uh, that he, uh, he put it on his only son. Now, you may be, your mind may be flashing forward to Jesus putting the wood on his own shoulder and bearing the cross. <clears throat> prophetic. This, this thing that we're reading here is prophetic of Jesus Christ, God's only son, carrying the wood, carrying the cross. And it's not accidental that it's mentioned here uh, in Genesis and then it came and, and took place in the gospel accounts where we can, we can read that. It's not an accident. This, this wasn't all just, wow, look at the coincidence here, the coincidence here. This was the Lord painting a picture. And as he's painting the picture, ah, right here, I'm going to put this right here. God's a, 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 a masterful, masterful artist, and he can paint something that the, those, those mysteries being revealed. Uh, that, that maybe didn't make sense here, but then when you have the whole book and you can reflect back, that's what was happening. You know, when the scripture says that that some of the, the, the prophets were wondering, like, what does this mean? And that then we get to see, and, and back in the day when it was fulfilled, they're like, hey, we got to see that. And here we are 2,000 years later, understanding that what those that were writing saying, hey, we got to see that, what they were writing was prophetic. Was prophetic. So God is just painting this masterpiece and 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 this is another another thing that we we get to see another another great piece of this coming together. So he says that he took the wood and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and and the two of them went together. So uh, the torch to lead the way, the knife to carry out his obedience to the Lord, and they the two of them walked together. There was nobody else with them. Abraham wanted this time with just his son. And, and, and they, they go, they move forward. He has what they need to light the way. He has what he needs to carry out his obedience if need be. Uh, he's, he was ready to go. And uh, they move forward together. That's an uh, important lesson for families that, uh, that as the Lord is calling us to do something, uh, that we, or just even as a church, you, know, you can put all kinds of different applications on this that they moved forward in obedience to the Lord together. Verse 7, But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said to him, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So they've got everything. His son's carrying the wood. He grabs the torch, uh, the uh, the knife, and they are moving forward. And uh, he's asking the question, you know, my my father. So Isaac's doing the math, and as he's doing the math, he's going, okay, we got everything else we need for this, uh, but we don't we don't have a lamb there. And uh, I don't imagine that on the way. Uh, this is my personal speculation. Uh, just as a father, I don't know that I'd have much to say. I think I'd probably be uh, just quiet, and there'd be a lot of reflection, a lot of thinking. And And this man is over 100 years old, and he's lived a long time, and he's had uh, victories in his life. He's had failures in his life, and now he has three days to think about this. 
I wonder if he thought about this question where eventually my son's going to ask me this. And I wonder if he, I, I have to believe that he was praying to the Lord. Lord, what do I say? What do I do? Um, you know, like I said, this is all my speculation. But three days is a long time to think. That's a long time to uh, just uh, trying to prepare for something that uh, that he knows uh, is he's is is going to take place, and uh, that he he's quiet, and uh, you know Isaac sees everything. Uh, he understands what's needed in this form of worship. So what we can conclude is that he must have been familiar with the process and uh, must have been familiar with seeing his father worship the Lord. He had, he knew what was needed for the burnt offering. So Isaac saw in his father what was needed to worship God. Such a powerful statement right there when he's asking, hey, we have everything we need. We're missing. Hey, I, we usually need these things, right? Uh, I've, I've been working on projects before I've been doing whatever. And, uh, my wife or, or the kids will say, Hey, don't you need this? Or don't, don't you have to do this or whatever? And, uh, they'll come over. You're right. How'd you know that? Well, I watched you do that last time that, that, you know, for anybody with, with young kids in your family, they don't even have to be our kids. Uh, they, they can be any anybody that we see. But when, when they know us as worshipers of God, that they they understand, oh, hey, uh, you know, I, I know this radio station. I remember riding in your car and you had this radio station. You this this song, right? Yeah, I, I know this song. I you remember I was just there. I, you, I think all of us can look back and go, yeah, I didn't even know you were paying attention to that. I didn't even know that, uh, or or we we had that conversation before. Isaac knew how his father worshipped the Lord, and when it came to them moving forward to go on and and uh, offer the sacrifice, Isaac was familiar enough with how Abraham worshipped that he saw something was missing, and he asks his dad. And uh, we we don't know how old Isaac is. Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian, estimated that Isaac would have been uh, between 25 and 33 years old, and others suggest between 18 and 20. Uh, that's another thing you're going to see. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter, but when you when you take those, you know, 18 to, to 33, that's a 15 year span. But that's that's somebody who's who's old enough to get it. You know, he's not, not doesn't have a two-year-old here, you know, pitter-pattering little feet as he's walking. Uh, this, uh, based on what the information that's available to us, this is somebody that could do some deductive reasoning and get to a point where, da, 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 okay, we have everything we need, but we don't, we don't have that. Uh, so uh, regardless of his age, uh, you know, based on those uh, estimations, Isaac was not a little boy, but a young man uh, when all this was taking place. Abraham's response to him is, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. There's, Abraham was moving forward with God's command. And uh, he's responding in faith. And we don't, 
have a record that we knew that Abraham knew uh, what was happening, uh, you know how it was all going to happen. But we can conclude in faith he believed that God was either going to raise Isaac up from the dead or provide an offering uh, to uh, in this in the place that he's going. That that's those are the two things that could happen. That as he's he he knows that the Lord is going. Uh, has called him to do this, and he knows that the Lord told him he was going to bless Isaac, uh, bless the world through Isaac. So there's only uh, you know two things that can happen: he's either going to raise Isaac from the dead, or he's going to provide an offering, uh, uh, provide a sacrifice that can be uh, be offered. So when he says, "My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering." Uh, he's he's come to that conclusion, and in faith he's moving forward. So it's another prophetic statement because the son of promise willingly went to be sacrificed in obedience to his father, carrying the wood of his sacrifice up the hill, uh, and you know all with full confidence in the promise of resurrection. That's a uh, that was a neat thing that I, I had to include in here. It says the father. Uh, sorry, the son of promise willingly went to be sacrificed in obedience to his father, carrying the wood of his sacrifice up the hill, all with full confidence in the promise of resurrection. So the two of them went together, it says. You know, this is a time that Abraham and Isaac experienced together and would never forget, obviously. You know, Isaac might have been a little nervous uh, whenever he'd see his dad around split, <laughs> split wood, you know, around the house after this. But this was something, It's this isn't something you forget. You know, it says the two of them uh, it, it went together and uh, that they experienced together. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said to him, here I am. And he said to him, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So the beginning of verse 9, it says, They came to the place that God had told him, and Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order. So Abraham is continuing his obedience, and I, I have to believe, maybe praying as he's putting the altar together. As he's, uh, That's a, a different thing uh, that, that's happening in his mind. He's not going through the normal uh, thing of, okay, I've got sacrifice over here. Like This is his, his one and only son that the Lord even said, whom you love. And uh, the second half of verse 9 says, And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So though uh, Abraham is the one that's credited for being obedient here, uh, I think it can be assumed that Isaac was also obedient. He's a young man. He's uh, anywhere based on uh, what the uh, information available to us, 18 to 33 years old. His dad's over 100. He probably could fight off his dad physically if he needed to. Uh, we can come to the conclusion that he, in obedience, laid down and let his dad bind him. That's a powerful, as, as you consider that, that he uh, is willing to obey the Lord through obeying his father. It can lead us to believe that 
Isaac believed in the Lord and willingly submitted his will to his father's call. Now, that's a, that's a tough thing. Um, we, we, you know, can't, we can't really uh, come to, you know, what was going on in this person's mind, what was going on in this person's mind. But when you come to uh, the, the results of what happened and you consider everything that, that uh, comes about uh, through reading this, we can, we can look at, oh, well, it must have been this. It must have been this. We're going to have Bible studies. <laughs> you know, when, when we're in heaven, we're, we have the opportunity to, Lord, I was confused by this. Can you, you know, can you explain this? Or uh, we're, it's just going to be, uh, our eyes are going to be open and we're going to understand things. And we're not going to have our limitations that we have here. So we can look forward to that. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. That's a lot. So he's got everything done. He's gone through all these things. Nothing else has happened. So now he's got to reach over, take the hand. He's got the knife in his hand. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Whew. <laughs> that, that's, that's my own perspective. But whew. exhale. And the Lord said, uh, and he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So Abraham had carried out what he was commanded until God stopped his knife-gripped hand from carrying it out. He's already got the knife in his hand. And the Lord says, I, I, he, he, what we can look at and know that he passed the test. And Abraham was obedient even to the very point of having the knife in his hand ready to do that. I, I can't even imagine. You know, uh, sometimes, as we clearly see here, it's about the willingness to be obedient. When the Lord saw that, that he was willing to be obedient to him, uh, then uh, that's when he had uh, he had shown that he believed in the Lord. And he believed that God was, uh, as we read in uh, Hebrews 11, that uh, he believed that God had promised to bless the families of the earth through Isaac. So you can't do that if he's dead. If he's dead and gone, uh, and, uh, and if he's never had children and everybody else is gone, that son is the one the Lord said he was going to bless uh, all the families of the earth through. So he either believed that he, he would be raised from the dead or he was going to provide, uh, the Lord would provide a sacrifice. So uh, this is a lesson of lessons in obedience is what it is. Uh, there, I, I can't think of a more intense situation then are you going to obey me to this point? Uh, you know, when we can obey when there isn't a whole lot on the line, <laughs> you know, the, uh, to, to get to this point, you know, God is not calling any of us to sacrifice a child, to sacrifice anybody. It's against the scripture. It's against what the Lord says. And we'll look at a few scripts. He's not asking for human sacrifice. That is against God's will. And we'll look at a couple verses here. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 and 10 says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abomination of those nations. These abominations that the nations that the Lord uh, had, had defeated in front of Israel for them, 
It says in verse 10, there you shall not be found, uh, there shall not be found among you who, uh, there shall not be found among you anyone uh, who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. That, that you wouldn't be sacrificing sons and daughters. Jeremiah 7 verse 31 says, and they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart, would never make you do that. God's like that, that you would burn your sons, that you would offer them up? No way. This, all what we're seeing here is prophetic. It proved uh, and and uh, purified uh, Abraham. Uh, and, and and strengthened him, and uh, w that we can look and go, wow, this is uh, this is somebody who really was very serious about his faith. Um, in Le in Leviticus, uh, if you were to look there, I won't read it all. Leviticus twenty verses one through five, God makes it clear that uh, that anyone that would make their sons or their children, sons or daughters, pass through the fire and sacrifice to Molech. Uh, they should be put to death, and anybody that does not put them to death, that sees them and doesn't do what they're told, that now the Lord is after them. Like, you were told to do this, and you didn't do this. So now that person that doesn't do what the Lord says, saying that person right there is a murderer and needs to be uh, stoned. So the Lord takes it very seriously. He is not. There are wackos out there that do this type of stuff. I heard a voice from God. You did not hear from God. Abraham was called in a very specific situation to do this because it was prophetic. And uh, when Abraham did this, God changed the world through what Abraham did. And we're studying this thousands of years later with a greater understanding of God's love. Not, yes, Abraham's obedience, yes, we can be encouraged by that, but to understand the under, uh, what was lying under that is God's tremendous love for us. He's not calling anybody to sacrifice their children. That is against the, the Lord's will. There are some people that have things way off. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him, was a ram caught in a thicket by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said this day, and the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So much like uh, where it says in 13 that he lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him a ram was caught in a thicket, the uh, it reminds me of uh, the the well we just read the well that that Hagar wasn't aware that was right there. The Lord opened uh, her eyes, and Abraham now sees behind him the ram caught there. And that didn't happen by chance. This was the provision of the Lord. That's it's not like oh hey this ram just happened to get caught exactly where God put him. There are a lot of lessons. Go through this and read and see how the Lord speaks to you because there are a lot of personal application things that as you go through that maybe in a specific area in your life, God may be you know, calling you to, uh, to let this go 
or he may be showing you uh, his provision here. He may be showing you the importance of obedience here. He may. It's, there's all kinds of lessons as we read through this that that God will speak to us through. So when we see here, there's a proof of God's provision that Abraham was relying upon. Abraham was relying upon God to either raise his son from the dead or provide. Uh, a sacrifice. He even told his son that, that God was going to provide. This was provision from the Lord. Didn't happen by chance. God had that ram there so that it would uh, take the place. It says, it says uh, in verse 13 at the end of it, and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. No doubt in great joy and true worship, he knew how precious his son's life was, and I think he had a great, uh, great uh, deal of of uh, appreciation for the the life that was in that ram. You know, for us to respect, uh, we don't. Have, Mother Earth is not a thing for us. We were we we were created by God. We uh, we live on Earth, but Earth is Earth is not our mother. Um, and, uh, that, that's such a weird thing for me. It's, it's always been a weird thing. Even, uh, not even looking at it from scripture, like mother earth. Like I, I just don't get it. The earth is our dwelling place. It is not our mother. Uh, and uh, this is, this is where we're at. God created the earth. We're responsible for it. We should be, um, uh, you know, we're, we should be respectful of, I mean, think of how, how respectful, uh, God told us to be when he's when he's talking about uh, how precious the life is in, in the blood of an animal and he's he's talking about you know th that blood should not be something that's considered uh, the blood represents life it shouldn't be considered as something that's worthless I think that Abraham had a greater appreciation I mean he's a rich man he he has flocks he has people to tend him this one was a special one and when that ram came, he understood it was God's provision that that ram was right there and that he didn't have to sacrifice his son. So we see the gospel right here that 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 this ram was was being offered instead of him having to having to take his own son out, that God will provide for himself a a sacrifice. You know, uh, what God can provide is always better than what we can. Always. 100% of the time. Uh, you guys might remember, I think a band's called Tree 63. We were talking about it. Uh, the song is, Look What You've Done For Me. Um, uh, what Can I Do For You, My Lord? You know, that it, when you get into the chorus, it says, um, um, What can I do for you, my Lord? I want you to know my heart is yours. It's not a question of what... Uh, you can do for me, but what can I do for you? The Lord has such such greater things for us. There's no question that what he has and what he does and how he can work in our life is greater. The response from us should be one of worship and gratitude of, well, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? The God doesn't have to prove himself to us, but when he does, it's awesome. You know, the Lord is, is uh, uh, I'm sure that, that Abraham was very blessed by God's provision here. And with a full heart, he offered the ram as a burnt offering to the Lord. And when we've been obedient to the Lord's calling, we receive his unexpected reward. And uh, it's always a tremendous blessing. So 
when we've sacrificed our time, our will, uh, whatever it is that God has called us to, uh, in in service, whatever it is, as He's calling us, the, the blessing comes that comes from Him is always much greater than what He's called us to sacrifice. Uh, that at the end we're not going, oh, I gave up all of this and He gives me nothing in return. There's there's always the greater thing from the Lord. Not only us, but when we we're, when when we have submitted our will to His, He blesses us, and how He uses us to bless others uh, is is seen and uh, and experienced by so many others. We take that focus off ourselves a little bit, and we can go, "Wow, God called me to do that, and when I did that, it blessed this person. I got some you know spiritual fulfillment out of uh, and growth, and I got uh, my faith was was uh, built up and uh, I was I was scared at this point, and then I obeyed here, and I did or said what he told me to do, and it blessed this person, and then that person got to go tell this person, and it's the Lord has a greater plan. And when we get to this point of, uh, well, I'm limited by this, and I can't do this because I'm scared, uh, that if we follow him, uh, how much it's going to – when we can look back, understand what Abraham did, we are all here looking at it going, my faith. I know my faith is challenged by this. I know that his obedience uh, will will change my perspective, and I know it has to uh, with any of us in here. You know this this lesson in obedience uh, that uh, that we can see now. Think of the lesson in obedience that Isaac learned from all of this. Wait a minute. Okay, I you know he's holding his breath and he he's bracing. You know, dad's got the knife and and he's ready to do this. It's not like, oh yes, I, you're going to see some probably some old, you know, hundreds year old paintings, and then he might even have a smile on his face and everything. I'm pretty sure he's holding his breath, going, "Wow, this is about to happen." And then, wait, dad's talking, and I hear a ram, and whoa, Isaac sees that Abraham is very serious about his faith. You know, there's that that question where he can look back and go, "How serious was my dad about his faith? How serious was he? How serious he was that he was willing to sacrifice me in obedience to the Lord, and the Lord intervened and saved me. And just God, my dad had told me, uh, and, and no doubt telling his children." You know, when um, when uh, Jacob is born and Esau are born, uh, no doubt telling them, let me tell you a story. And I got to I got to tell you this. And, you know, your grandfather was so serious about his faith that we went on a long journey. and We went through uh, this. And at the in the end, he told me that God was going to provide himself a lamb. And guess what he did? He provides himself a lamb. It was in the thicket. And then I, it's, it's, it's such a powerful lesson in obedience for Isaac to understand how obedience works. And that Abraham did this and he taught Isaac and that went all the way down the line. And it's, we're, we're studying it thousands of years later, this powerful lesson in obedience, just from this man being willing to do the ultimate and the Lord stops him. God, God didn't want God. God did not want him to plunge that knife into him. He wanted him to just show his obedience. 
Verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall be the gate of of their enemies and your seed, the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, Abraham is got to the point where he says, Jehovah Jireh, my, my Lord, the provider. I'm going to even call this place this. And the Lord comes and speaks to him a second time. And he says, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, blessing, I will bless. He's already said this to him. But now, uh, it, understand that sometimes when the Lord calls us and he's showing us something in our life, we have no idea when that's going to come to fruition. There's a great lesson of patience here and trust in the Lord that it might take 25 years for us to finally get, oh, you know, God was speaking to me about this. It might be a lifelong project for us to get to this point. That we have an understanding of this, of, oh, this is what God meant. He wanted to bless me in this way, and he said he was going to. I didn't know that it was going to take me this long to get down this journey, but God always does what he says he's going to. It's not like after all this time, God's promise changed, and God forgot his promise. No, God carried him all the way through this. And now this is another point where he says, now that you've shown me you're, you're, you're willing to lay his life down, now you understand how precious his life in, is, and I'm going to show you that I'm, I'm still going to bless you and that I'm going to multiply and that all the, the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. So the Lord here is reaffirming to Abraham his promise and um, a God who was going to make a mighty nation out of him. Verse 19, so Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt uh, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now, this is kind of funny as you come to 19. I imagine when they get there, hey, guys, how was your trip? You know, it depends on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> you know, one was tied up, and the other, you know, good, uneventful, and you know, Beersheba, they get there, and uh, it's the well of the treaty. That's what Beersheba means. And uh, we just studied that recently and uh, where he had just made the covenant with Abimelech. So they get back. The, everything had just happened, and they get up and go on their way. I wonder if and when they had the discussion with these two guys. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can just just kind of look at in, in, in here and, and wonder what was, what was the conversation after this. And, and uh, uh, we, we don't know. But uh, verse 20 says, Now it came to pass... Uh, after these things that it was told to Abraham saying indeed Milka also has borne children to your brother Naor Huz is firstborn and Buzz his brother they uh, uh sounds like they're rough pro wrestling tag team you know Huz and Buzz uh you know one's got the uh, the, the mohawk shave and the other one has the opposite mohawk or something I don't know Huz and Buzz when I saw that I was greatly I'm always uh I uh, see those names. I'm always greatly entertained. Uh, so Huz and Buzz, uh, the brothers, um, Kemuel, father of Aram, uh, Chezid, Hazo, uh, Pildash, uh, Jidlath, 
and Bethuel. Uh, I think my daughters are glad that uh, they didn't get these names. But uh, um, uh, 23, and Bethuel begot Rebekah. And uh, these eight Milka bore to Naor, uh, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name is Ruma, also bore Teba, Gahem, Tahash, and Makkah. So uh, those are some pretty, pretty uh, difficult names. But uh, the, the focus of these uh, the, from 20 to 24, um, it's, it's, it's Rebecca. She's now being introduced, and uh, she will become the wife of Isaac. Uh, so there's uh, just uh, this is uh, kind of moving as we move forward from here. So as we reflect on what we've read, God's command to sacrifice Isaac, I, Isaac was to validate Abraham as the father of all who would have faith in God. That Abraham, uh, when when you look, and, and we are studying in John, and all of the. Uh, all the religious leaders are always saying Moses and Abraham, Moses and Abraham. Uh, he's the patriarch. And uh, that they go all the way back to Abraham because of this. And you know, Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And Abraham demonstrated his faith and God provided. You know, all of this is a foreshadowing of God sacrificing his own son. So let's reflect a little bit. On verse 2, it says, take your son, your only son. Now that's probably sounding familiar. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there. Many believe that's where Jerusalem was built in that region many years later. If so, Jesus was sacrificed in the same area that Isaac would have been on the altar. Sacrifice him, again in verse 2, as a burnt offering. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 3 says, Christ died for the sin uh, for our sins according to the scripture. You'd offer a sacrifice to pay for something. So God said sacrifice him, and God sacrificed his own son that our sins would be, uh, be forgiven as we place our faith and trust in him. Abraham, in verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood, uh, for the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac in verse 6. John 19, 17 shows us that Jesus carried his own wooden cross and walked to Calvary. The, this foreshadowing, this, this was written here for, uh, for a reason. And that the Lord, when, when you compare both of these, it's impossible to look at these Remember all the way back when, when God told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. And how many times did Jesus say, I am my father when my father loves me. And God loves the world. And what God did was send his only son to die on our behalf. That he would carry the wood, carry the cross to die for us. Us sinners. So when we can reflect on our lives and look back and go, I was saved from that sin because of the work of the cross. I was saved from that because of the work on the cross. I was delivered from that because of the work of the cross. And Abraham just doing this one thing 
he this this act of faith and and his faith being shown to it's not like God needed to see it to see if Abraham really had faith. It was for us to be able to have something to look at and and when God calls us to obedience, he means that we need to be obedient even to that point. That we would take his word that seriously and we'd apply it to our lives. You know, this you know, God already knew that Abraham would obey. It wasn't God testing, oh God, I wonder if he's going to obey. God knew that he was going to because he already told him, I'm going to make your son. God sees everything. He's got everything laid out in front of him. And God had promised him that he was in his seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So this lesson is for Abraham to learn and demonstrate obedience to God's word no matter what. Isaac learned a lesson of obedience firsthand. And we can now reflect on it and learn obedience. And learn the love of God. Because, remember, it all goes back to take your son, your only son, whom you love. That God would take his only son and sacrifice. And remember, when Jesus experienced that separation from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was for us. He, and like Isaac, was willing to listen to his father and obey his father. Uh, he, he was willing to, to, to submit his own will to follow his father. And that's what we see in Jesus. Uh, Jesus submitted his wills to the father's will and went uh, obediently to the cross. You can draw a line right from there to there. And, and we see the, uh, the cross being spelled out all the way back in Genesis 22. God's amazing. He it just there. Have you ever have you ever been blessed by uh, being able to find? I'm awful at this, but being able to see something that's hidden within a picture, I'm awful at it. Jen can look right at it. Oh, it's right there. My kids can look at it. Oh, see, don't you see? It's right there, and I'm, I still don't see it. You ever you ever been? Uh, you look at somebody and you you see the uh, the work of um, Thomas Kincaid. You know they call him the painter of light, and uh, he it, where where you look at his paintings and. Uh, he he puts paint in there, and and how he does it makes it look like the light's actually on, and the that he, uh, he's he can paint a masterpiece. That's so as beautiful as all these things are going. God's masterpiece all the way through the scripture just far exceeds. I mean, he just uh, any any artist that denies God, I don't know how they can do it. The creativity came from God. And that he he can take the work of art and grab the word and go, oh, look at this here. And you see how this connects here. He's amazing. He loves us. He demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that us sinners get to trade our sin for salvation. And Lord... That as we do so, we have a, a we begin a relationship with you, and we get to start walking with you, and you start to build our faith, and you start to to help us to understand you more and understand your word more, and our life makes sense. Lord, we're in a, a nation, and we're in a time right now in this world where everybody's questioning what they're here for. You know, where did I come from? Where am I going? And, and they're being lied to. There's a loving God that demonstrate 
demonstrated his love for us. Lord, this, this uh, scripture that we read in Genesis 22, the foreshadowing we see of the cross in it, your love for us. Let it be on the Christian's lips that we would share with that lost and broken world around that's so confused that they would understand you, the one and only true God, that would demonstrate such love for us. Thank you so much for your love. Help us to be obedient to you, to follow you, to trust you. Oh, Lord, the obedience that we see here in Abraham and in Isaac, the obedience we see in our Lord Jesus to obey your will. Help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.